0: Welcome to the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Stephen Inman, and I'm joined once again by the great Chris Brito. We have a special episode of the pod as Chris and I will talk to CBS Sports NBA reporter Sam Quinn. Sam Quinn's going to talk to us about the Knicks, Jerry Krause, when the NBA could return, and what that salary cap could look like next year if we have an NBA season. Chris, take it away.
1: Sam, thanks for joining us on the All Hoops podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time here. Um, First off, what are some of your thoughts on the Jordan doc? I've loved it so far,
2: and I mean, apparently it's only going to get better and better. I think the one thing that we haven't
1: seen too
2: much of yet that I've been really interested in is some of the negative Jordan stuff. I know he said before the doc started, oh, this is going to make me look like a bad guy. This is going to make me look like a villain. So far, it hasn't really done that. That's kind of the one thing that I've been waiting for. But other than that, there's been a lot of really cool inside information, a lot of stuff that maybe I'd heard or seen at some point or another, but seeing it all laid out like this. I mean, we'd never seen the entire Bulls story put together in one place like this. So I really enjoyed it. It's been fantastic.
1: Has, there been, has there been anything that has stood out to you or – I think I intellectually knew all of the
2: Jerry Krause stuff and it was obviously pretty famous and well-known as far as the, you know, their whole story goes, but it's really hard to imagine like in 2020, a team and a player going at it as much as like Pippen and Krause did and Jordan and Krause did. Like, I mean, just think about all of the unpopular things that Krause did. I mean, he fired Doug Collins, Michael Jordan loved Doug Collins. He wouldn't give Scottie Pippen a new contract. Like, just think about a GM doing that to LeBron James or any star today. It's, it's yeah. totally
1: unfathomable. Which kind of makes it, like, incredible that he was able to get away, with, get away with it, right? He basically was allowed to get a green light to rebuild during a dynasty. Isn't yeah. that crazy?
2: It's totally unheard of by modern standards. But, I mean, it's, I think it's, there are a few explanations there. Obviously, it was a different era. I mean, player empowerment is something that's relatively new, at least. We start back LeBron in 2010. That's kind of when it really started in the modern sense. Maybe you go back to Kobe in 04, But other than that, like I think it kind of shows. Jerry Krause is really underrated. He's one of the best GMs in NBA history. And, yeah, maybe the average GM couldn't have done this to Michael Jordan. But let's give Jerry Krause some credit. He traded for Scottie Pippen. He drafted Horace Grant. He built two completely distinct championship teams. And, yeah, he was not a great guy, but was anybody involved with the Bulls? I mean, these are all just really intelligent you know, top of their field people who didn't like each other very much. And as easy as it would be for us to say like, oh, they should have just listened to Michael Jordan on whatever he wanted. They won six championships and Jerry Krause was a big part of that. He's one of the best GMs ever. So it's unusual, but I kind of get it.
0: Sam, do you think if they kept this team around for the next couple years after 97, 98, they could have won more championships? It's hard to say. Rodman was really at the end. And I mean, Pippen wasn't as close
2: to it, but he wasn't as good in Houston. And then when he got to Portland... I don't want to say he was a role player, but like Scottie Pippen was a top five player in the NBA in that last championship. Well, not maybe not the last one, but certainly during that last run by Portland, he was more of just like a good starter. So yeah, Jordan, I think he was the MVP that last year. So he would have been ready to go. Not that it's as simple as, oh, if they would have kept the team together, they would have won seven, eight championships. Just like I'm not as convinced that if Jordan hadn't retired, I think Houston might've beaten them in 94 or 95. So yeah, it's it's convenient for all of us to say, oh, if they would have just kept the team together, they had Michael Jordan, they would have kept winning to the easy narrative because Michael Jordan never lost in the finals. Really. I think if that gone the way of a normal dynasty and it would have aged out as normal dynasties do, they would have lost like any other dynasty would have. So if anything, Jordan was probably helped a little bit by the fact the team broke up.
0: Uh, so, Sam, Chris and I are huge Knicks fans here. We are dying to see a winner here in New York. And you had a piece last week talking about the Knicks hiring former Cavs capologist Brock Aller. Uh, do you think Aller is going to have a, a say in personnel decisions? And I saw you I thought it was a really strong hire. Why do you think that?
2: Yeah, I, we don't know exactly where he's going to fall in the hierarchy. We don't know who the GM's going to be yet. I mean, Scott Perry's mm-hmm. in the role now. I think the general assumption is they're going to replace him, but that's not set in stone or anything. But yeah, Brock Aller is going to have a meaningful role. I think the title is Vice President of Strategy. It's something along those lines. And I think it's easy for a lot of us to look at any front office and say, oh, Leon Rose is the number one guy. Everything is going to be his decision. That's not fully how it works. There's usually a brain trust of four, five, six people that have a real say in these things. And Aller's going to be one of them. His specialty is the cap. I mean, Cleveland, for all those years, was spending all of that money with LeBron. That wasn't an accident. Obviously, Dan Gilbert enabled all of that. But somebody had to actually direct them on, you know, how to use it and how to take advantage of the rules that were in place. And that was Brock Aller. He's one of the few capologists around the league that I think we know by name. It's a short list. I mean, Andy Ellsberg in Miami, Mike Zarin in Boston. They're really only a few guys that are recognized for doing that and he's one of them. So I think it's a really strong hire.
1: And from what I was reading it seemed like he was going to be more like a Leon Rose's right-hand man type of thing. And then that being said, who do you think would be a nice fit for general manager for the Knicks?
2: Well, I think it's a matter of skill set. I don't want to throw out any specific names because when you're talking about like people in the scouting backgrounds, it's not as public as say somebody like a Pat Riley who's recruiting three agents, like the really big names. I think what you want more than anything is somebody who comes from a different background than these other guys. Like Leon Rose was an agent. He has a very distinct skill set as a former agent. Brock Aller was a capologist. He has a very distinct skill set as a capologist. So what's missing there? Right now, Scott Perry is the GM. He comes from a scouting background. I don't know if Perry's going to stay. I would just suggest that whoever they hire – comes from a scouting background because they're going to need somebody in that role
0: uh it's very good stuff there sam uh so the knicks obviously are going to go big name hunting in this next couple of off seasons um but i still think you know they're better off trying to rebuild and try to get this thing as a winner long term what are the moves the knicks can make this summer that can result in the short-term success they're looking for and the long-term success chris and i are looking for (laughs) <laughs> well, I would say they should do the things next summer that they should have
2: done last summer. I mean, I, I know it's easy to say, oh, let's just go sign the biggest agents we can. Nobody wants to play for the Knicks right now. So I think you have to weaponize that cap space in other ways. I would decline a lot of the team options, and I would just go around to teams around the league and say, hey, we'll be your dumping ground. Give us a first-round pick. We'll take on your bad contracts. We want to do this slowly. We want to do it right. They should have done it last summer with Andre Iguodala. Instead, they signed you know Taj Gibson. If I were running the Knicks, I would much rather have that valuable Golden State first round pick as opposed to, I mean what, a year of Taj Gibson where you're not gonna win anything anyway. So I think something to watch for this offseason, given all the money that's lost because of the a coronavirus pandemic, B also the China situation, which we've all kind of forgotten about in light of what's happened. I think there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of teams that are stuck in tax hell this summer that I doubt they're going to be teams that really want to spend, but if anybody wants to create cap space, say, hey, we'll be the dumping ground. Give us your picks. We'll take on your bad money. There are going to be a lot of teams for one reason or another over the next couple of summers that really want to clear money. And if you're the Knicks, you're not going to lure Giannis right now. You're not going to lure, pick star free agent X. Put that cap space to work for you in other ways so that in a few years when maybe you're more desirable and have more
1: talent on the roster, you're really fully stocked up.
0: Sam, so, I've been screaming this for two years now. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> so for our listeners who can't hear, Steve is smiling from ear to ear right now. And the one thing I'll add to that is that I've been clamoring for uh, is to actually get Chris Paul Ooh. from OKC. Um, OKC, you know, they are they have some decisions to make this summer, uh, you know, including with Gallinari and, and a few other players. Moving Chris Paul to New York would make a lot of sense in the short term for us and for OKC for some salary cap relief. I wouldn't fully endorse
2: the move just because if you get Chris Paul on the team, what's your worst case scenario? Like the number 12 pick, the number 14 pick, like that kind of seems like a no man's land trade where the Knicks don't have a franchise player yet. And I think they hope that that player comes in free agency, but I wouldn't write off the draft either. And I would say, maybe stay the course stay at the bottom of the league for another year or two get another top pick or two in there and then make your big game hunting moves now the advantage of chris paul is that he adds a layer of credibility to the franchise which they obviously don't have right now and maybe if you bring in chris paul and you treat him well for a year or two he is the union president like people respect his opinions and if you treat him well for a year or two maybe that says to other players okay the knicks are a normal franchise now we can go there and feel like we're going to have a chance to win and also not be a part of a circus. So I understand the thought behind it. I would just prioritize getting top young players in and adding Chris Paul makes that more difficult.
1: So I kind of see the impact he had in OKC with, with, with Shai and Dennis Schroeder. And I feel that if we go point guard in the draft this year, I think that, you know, you hope, right. That he could have the same impact on a young point guard for us as well. But you're right, those are all things to consider with Chris Paul. He's older, he has a huge contract left, and, uh, you know, you go from there. So that being said, do you think the NBA will make a return this season? And if so, how would it impact the, the future salary cap?
2: I would say I'm slightly more optimistic now than I was maybe a couple weeks ago. If they do come back, I think the regular season is, is out. The best case scenario on that front is like maybe a couple exhibition games or like maybe a play-in tournament for the last couple seeds. If we come back, though, it's going to be primarily built around the playoffs. And I think they would do it in a bubble city. Um, I've heard Orlando. I've heard Vegas. I've heard L.A. Nobody really knows anything yet. I'm sure the league is looking into every conceivable option. But my guess is we're going to get some form of a playoff, maybe with fewer teams maybe with shorter series, maybe with pick whatever caveat, and they're going to stick everybody in one city and just do it like that. It's going to be solely a TV event. There's going to be no fans in the building, and it's not going to be ideal, and maybe we're going to look back on this championship sort of with an asterisk, but I think we're going to get something. As far as the cap goes, the truth is all the rules that typically govern this are going to fly out the window because the way the cap is normally made is with projections based off of revenue how can you project revenue in the middle of a pandemic? Nobody knows what next season is going to look like. They're still calculating how much money they're going to lose this season. So my best guess is that the league and the union are going to work together and come to some sort of compromise. I think the easiest solution is let's freeze the cat for a couple of years while we make up the money we've lost and then eventually build it back in and maybe have another spike down the line. But the truth is nobody really knows. And I wouldn't bet on anything right now other than – you know, in fact, I don't even think I would bet on that. Like, I don't even think I would bet on having a playoffs right now. The league certainly needs it from a revenue perspective, but anything is in play right now. I think it's going to depend on what's safe, and it's going to depend on how soon we can get mass testing and eventually a vaccine. So, yeah, I, it's a total mystery right now, and I wouldn't rely on anything.
0: A, a play-in tournament would be awesome. You know, the idea of the Knicks getting back to the playoffs and all it took was a global pandemic. That would be pretty good.
2: Imagine if um, Golden State got into a play-in tournament and Steph and Clay and Draymond were back, like depending on how late. Or I know Brooklyn has kind of put the kibosh on this, but maybe Kevin Durant and Curry
1: Irving could come back and it <laughs> changes everything. Anything really is in play. Who knows? Man, but speaking of the Warriors, they've had so much luck. And every time I'm reminded by that, you know, Steve Kerr with the Bulls and now the Warriors, like, You know, the one season where they're not in full strength, it's a global pandemic. What are the chances? I mean,
2: well, you kind of went back, what if the Knicks had the one chance to do it now because of the pandemic? The truth is, like, there are a lot of really ridiculous storylines at play because of this. I mean, if you think about Michael Jordan retiring after his his third championship and having to wait for the fourth, it's kind of fitting that LeBron has three. This is his best chance for number four. And now maybe he has to wait. So it seems like every major storyline in the league was kind of cresting with this postseason. And nope, maybe now we're not going to get it. So the timing could not have been worse, but I suppose there's never a good time for a global pandemic.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, Sam, thank you so much. We really appreciate the great insight. If you're looking for more of Sam's work, you can find him on Twitter at SamQuinnCBS and on CBSSports.com. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Um, anytime.
1: Uh, that's going to do it here for on All Hoops. We'll be back next week to react to episodes five and six of The Last Dance Talk. And once again, thanks, Sam. <laughs>